When it comes to national security, what if the experts are wrong? Hi, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Ontario, Canada. And you're listening to Quick Hits, little short podcasts about all things national security. As is want with these shorter podcasts that I do, as compared to the longer Canadian Intelligence Day, where I have conversations with people, you're stuck listening just to me on these ones. The idea for this one came out of an article I read recently. This one was from The Economist, which I've talked a lot about over the years. It was in the December 3rd edition. It was one of the leaders, the short articles at the front of the magazine, entitled The Digital Front, The Cyber War in Ukraine. Subtitle Ukraine has shown how cyber defense can prevail. The basic premise of this particular article was to push back a little bit against the notion that uh, things like cyber warfare and cyber attacks are so daunting that we should all be trembling in our boots because the whole thing's going to be taken down one day. Here's a little, an extract from this particular leader. The popular notion of cyber war has been shaped by lurid and dystopian scenarios of an electronic Pearl Harbor. First envisioned in the 1990s and accentuated by the relentless digitization of society. Those fears have been fanned by glimpses of the possible. The American-Israeli Stuxnet worm which came to light in 2010, inflicted damage on Iranian nuclear machinery with fiendish ingenuity. Russian malware sabotaged Ukraine's power grid in 2015-2016. Yet when a full-blown cyber war came to Ukraine, the result was modest. And the article goes on to talk about how, in fact, cyber defense was much better than people thought it would be. In other words, that the cyber offensive by the Russians failed miserably. Now, you may be asking yourself at this point, what the hell is Gursky doing talking about cyber? He said on many occasions he can't spell cyber, and I can't. I just notice it starts with a C, not with an S. But this made me think about something related. And that is this notion that we often read articles, be the online or in the real world, in press or news, uh, news magazines like The Economist or Time, whatever, Anybody who reads uh, real magazines anymore, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm I'm the last one. That lead to fears that the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And these experts are predicting all kinds of bad things to happen. Now, I'm going to turn the conversation more to the sort of the terrorism angle, because that's what I do best. And if you've been reading anything lately... It's this notion that uh, right-wing extremism, writ large which, as I've said, is a real gamut of ideologies, causes, call it what you will, like white nationalism and white uh, supremacism, neo-fascism. We had Germans just arrested a possible coup attempt by a bunch of neo-Nazi wankers just a few days ago. So the threat is very real. But is it as bad as people say it is? I've been pushing back against this, that the data that I certainly have access to, and I no longer work in intelligence or national security, seems to support me on this, that the fear being raised by the self-styled experts in national security uh, isn't warranted. Again, the threat is real. It must be dealt with. Our security, intelligence, and law enforcement agencies can no longer ignore the far right, 
like we once did because we determined, rightly so at the time, at least in Canada, in the 1990s, they couldn't organize a piss-up in a bar. Well, some can organize piss-ups in bars now. Very few still, at least in Canada, but they're slightly more capable than they were 25 years ago and can't be ignored and must be dealt with. But if the threat is, is as bad as people say it is, we should be inundated with far-right attacks, and yet we're not. We are still being inundated on a global level with jihadi attacks, and if you follow me online, you'll certainly see that that's true, because I'm tweeting out attacks by jihadis around the world on a daily basis. Yes, they're not hitting Canada as much as they used to in the, in the 2010s and the, the attacks we fought in the 2000s. But everywhere else in the world, it's the jihadi this and jihadi that. So from a data perspective, from a, a reality perspective, to say that the far right poses a greater threat is, is complete horseshit because they don't. The numbers simply don't support that. There's a more important issue here, though, and that is what if the experts are wrong? They certainly gain a lot of press. I mean, good God, you read the CBC on a daily basis. The only articles you ever see there about terrorism have to do with the far right. No one's talking about jihadis. No one's talking about Hindu terrorism in India. No one's talking about Jewish extremism in the West Bank. It's all right-wing this and right-wing that, despite the fact the numbers don't support the contention that the threat is as big as it is. So I'm going to issue a challenge today. I would normally take the challenge myself but i got other things to worry you know worry about i'm working on another book right i'm just finishing a book working on another book yeah i got my grandkids i got all kinds of stuff i'm involved with so i'm gonna cast the the gaunt the gauntlet down and see if someone picks it up here's my challenge i want some really bright person or perhaps several bright people to do the following take a look at predictions made by quote-unquote, national security experts over the past 20 years. Now, I'll make, it, I'll make it easier. Over the past five years, do a combing of all the available information about statements made by national security experts about X, Y, or Z, that, you know, this is happening and this is what it means, this is what's going to happen, and then measure those statements against what actually happened. In other words, were the predictions made by these gurus on national security, did they even approach what really happened? My sneaking suspicion is the answer is no. That all these incredibly dire pictures of the world we're going to be living in, with neo-Nazis and white supremacists and violent incels and all the other wankers are going to be invading our societies and killing people and destroying stuff, um, were wrong. And I'm pretty sure the data supports me on that. Not to say that there's been zero attacks, because there certainly have been some, but it hasn't even remotely approached what people were the the, the worst predictions that people were making. So do someone do that, you know, contact me and please tell me you're doing this research. And then let me know what you find. Maybe maybe I'm completely wrong. I'm the first person to admit I was wrong. I'm wondering if the so-called experts who may in fact be proven wrong, and my, my guess is they will, would have the maturity to admit that they were wrong. That's a really interesting question to ask. If not, it certainly points to hubris, it points to arrogance, and it undermines their authority uh, and their position as national security experts. If you say something with 
the ultimate confidence and you say, based on my experience and my background and my academic qualifications or whatever kind of thing, I am 100% sure that this is going to happen. And it turns out it doesn't happen at all. Shouldn't you say like a mea culpa? I certainly have apologized for things that I've said in the past that turned out to be categorically false. The Anders Breivik attack in 2011 being my worst moment as an intelligence analyst. I'm wondering if other people would be the same. Would they have the maturity to say, oops, my bad. I misread the data. I said things I shouldn't have said. I based my predictions on bits and pieces here. There wasn't a full picture available. I extrapolated from sources that weren't credible. I was trying to make a name for myself. I was trying to be the person to go to on the CBC or MSNBC or CNN or Al Jazeera or whatever kind of thing. And I was flat out wrong. Now, I'm not going to bet the mortgage. FYI, I don't have a mortgage. But if I had a mortgage, I wouldn't bet it that we're going to see people bowing and scraping saying that, you know what? I fucked up. I said something that was categorically untrue. But, you know, hope springs eternal. That Some people will look in the mirror and say, yep, I sure got that wrong. What does all this mean? It means a couple things. You as consumers of information, much as I'm a consumer of information, I have some homework to do. When you read something by somebody who is portrayed as or portrays oneself as a national security expert, you really should ask yourself the following question. Who is this person and on what basis do they have the mantle of the top grand poobah of national security? What's it based on? Is it purely an academic background? Did they work in operations for security intelligence, law enforcement, or military organization at one point? Where is their data from? Upon what are they basing these bold predictions? Secondly, you have a a duty to call them out on this and say, you know, you said this, and frankly, it just simply wasn't true. We, as Canadians, as citizens, rely, I would argue, far too much on the opinions of experts. Any article you see in the CBC has, in the headline, experts say X, Y, or Z on any issue. I'm not just talking about national security and terrorism. You know, should you trim your toenails from left to right or right to left? There's an expert that says this way is better. I don't understand why we defer to experts. In some cases, maybe it makes sense, like like health matters. And one hopes the, the health officials are truly expert, know what they're talking about. Otherwise, we end up doing things like adopting diets or changing our life patterns. And it ends up there's no proof that it's going to make us any better. So I'm, I'm, I'm begging you. Be more judicious when it comes to taking the word of an expert based solely on the fact that they are called an expert. Again, I never call myself an expert. That's when I, when I make it quite clear, when I go on media, please do not call me an expert. All I am is a former practitioner. Does that give me some credibility? Maybe for some, maybe not for others. But I don't pretend to be what I'm not. And, and frankly, um, I don't want to be associated with this notion of expertise when an actual fact that accounts for very, very little. I'm going to wait for, you know, a couple of months and see if this kind of study is done and what kind of results are. I'm under no illusions that anybody's going to respond to my call or that my 
theory, my ideas, are going to be shown to be accurate. And frankly, I don't really give a rat's ass at the end of the day. But the lesson here is just be careful when you when you start to decide on whom to listen to based on their qualifications. That's all I'm asking you to do. And if you think that my opinion is full of shit, more power to you. Stop listening to me. Don't subscribe to my podcast. I really don't care. But just be fair to yourself. If you're going to make decisions on things, make sure you're, it's based on the best information possible. That is either information you garnered yourself or has been analyzed by somebody who knows what they're doing. Anyhow, that's what I think. I'm curious what you think of expertise in national security. Drop me a line. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk or gmail or on gmail. Borealisrisk at gmail.com. Or you'll find me on Twitter at Borealisaves. You will also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like this content and don't think I'm full of shit, feel free to subscribe. Go to the website, borealisthreatenrisk.com. Free access to all the podcasts, as well as all the blogs. Love to hear your, your views on this notion of expertise. Maybe drop me a line and give me some ideas for other podcasts and blogs you'd like to hear from. More than happy to have a conversation with you. We'll talk again real soon, I'm sure. Until then, take care.